This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. My name is Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and my toddler's sleeping in a big kid bed now, so that means I am not sleeping at uh, all. It'll change, uh, maybe. Please. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and biblical scholar, and I recently engaged in an idle thought experiment around the idea of Aladdin and the genie <laughs> and what would my own three wishes be, and I had a lot of trouble coming up with wishes. Interesting. I'm going to follow up on that. We're here with another edition of Weird Religion News Roundup. We're going to try to ambush or wow or cringe each other (laughs) with news that is somehow both weird and religious at the same time. Then we'll give each other a chance to comment. We'll make sure to finish with a lightning round. Join us. Join us. Who goes first today? You go first. You go first. Okay. Okay. Yeah, please. Should I start with serious or funny? Your choice. Funny. Let's warm up. Okay. Okay. Please. I just, this one. I, okay. Come This on. is from Religion News Service. Okay. Okay. Um, pretty recently in, in June, 2021. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Kenyan woman, quote, marries the Holy Spirit in Anglican ceremony. <gasps> now, the second line, a man who said he is her husband viewed the most recent ceremony differently. Quote, there are not two marriages here. She is my wife, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this kind of stuff. This language of like, you know, being married to God, married yes. to Jesus. T- talk to talk to talk to listeners who may not have grown up in the evangelical context that we grew up in, in terms of like this idea of like being married to Jesus. Like, why would anyone even talk like that? Well, if I had to guess, I would say that this woman is a if we looked at her religious practices mm-hmm. and or influences, we might classify her in the charismatic range, charismatic zone, even though yeah. it says Anglican. Um, mm-hmm. There's plenty of charismatic Anglicans out there. Sure. Uh, but I, I think for people in that um, version of Christianity, especially, there's one of the favorite metaphors. We've talked about this before is thinking about Jesus at the end of time mm-hmm. as the bridegroom and mm-hmm. the church as the bride. Right. Lots of bridal metaphors, right. wedding dresses, yep. the whole thing. Yep. So I think of when I, I don't know because I haven't done any in-depth research into the story, but that's the first thing that pops yeah. up into my mind is, hey, this is one of those. How about you? <laughs> hey, I was thinking of like being in a, a college context, like the college at least where I transferred and finished my undergrad education. <laughs> this idea of like, you know, dating was always kind of like a thing. and Oh, right. You know, the idea is like, I'm dating Jesus, you know? You know what? But I never heard I never heard guys say it, really. I just had the funniest memory yeah. of being in college, and there was a little, there was a small group of women on my dorm floor who um, had a Bible study called Brides of Christ. Oh, okay. And used, I love a good used branded, I love a good branded Bible study. Because you got to brand it. You got to call it something. You can't just have it. <laughs> yeah. This you call is, it a name. This is at the turn of the last century. And <laughs> the acronym they used for it was Bach. So B-O-C. it would be like, are you going to Bach tonight? You're and going my to the B-O-C. roommate and I 
we were delinquent. We never went. You didn't go Sometimes to the bar. Sometimes we would like hide in our room. Why not? Why were you hiding from that? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't even know. Why were you hiding? It just didn't sound, it wasn't my jam. Jesus is like, what? You don't want to marry me? What's wrong? What's the issue? <laughs> That's right. I'm like, well, I would like to someday in some be ideal, married. Yeah, like- um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to hear your, your thoughts on the sort of mystical realm of that. The idea that you could be united mm-hmm. with a deity. Are mm-hmm. there any ancient examples of this oh totally kind of thing oh totally totally the idea you could be wed i mean that's that that idea in and of itself the idea that you would be wedded to a deity um in in both like some kind of technical sense but also just in profound ways i mean that's a deeply mystical idea right yes that you would become the deity you would immerse yourself into the deity but i think you've got i think you've got stuff like ancient temple stuff in you know, ancient Mesopotamia broadly, let's say, where you could serve in temples and you become kind of like a, uh, a say, like a groom of a goddess or or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or I should say a, a, a bride of a god or, you know, just something in that realm, I think. I don't think the data we have on that are all so clear, but, you know, scholars have come up with ideas about that kind of stuff. And then, and then it involves, you know, various kinds of rituals and people have had this big debate too about the idea of quote sacred prostitution oh right, right which is right. an idea yeah. that you would serve in that way and that you would enact your is that c- like the judah and tamar story that kind of- yeah it's well no i think it's the idea that you would well yes the idea that he visits a roadside shrine there would be like a shrine prostitute let's say in the kind of older scholarly parlance but people have debated it because the idea of sacred prostitution is titillating to let's say older white male scholars <laughs> maybe many older scholars maybe you shouldn't limit it to white but let's say the ideas were often promulgated in the mid 20th century by maybe older repressed white christian men so this mm-hmm. theory goes who mm-hmm really thought that that would be cool. I mean, totally gross. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. And so, they kind of exoticize. Yeah, this, they exoticize like, it. So I, I, feel a little, I feel a little cautious about it, but it probably was, was a thing. I bet they did it. I bet some people did it, got married to <laughs> deities, and then reenacted those marriages in the ways that you can. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that because you're right. There's a long Christian tradition of this mystical union. I I like to weird my Protestant evangelical ish, um, mostly and mainline students out with like mystical Mm -hmm. readings. Teresa of Avila's obviously a great go-to because Mm -hmm. it's so intense and it's very, um, easy to see that this is a serious, serious relationship Mm -hmm. and students are not comfortable with it at all. As a rule. Right, right. Yeah. No, but I it's fun. It. It's fun. I like I like to um that was a good pick. That was a good Okay. Pick. Good good job. Thank you. You're up. Uh this one is tailor made for you. Oh. And here it is. From Variety. Mm-hmm. Here's the headline. Anthony Bourdain's AI faked voice in new documentary sparks backlash. Oh, okay. I've read about the documentary. Okay. A little bit. The, the documentary did you that know about this? well because um, I did not know about the AI voice though. I've wanted to watch the documentary. I was a fan of his shows, a fan Same. of his. I knew that you were. A and fan. so, okay, what's what's the okay? The religious angle here is an ongoing theme on the show here for longtime listeners. It is for newcomers. The theme is 
Life the, after death through technology. Life after death through technology or the idea of a, a kind of like a black mirror secularized afterlife, which often becomes, as it is in this controversy you point out, just as much of a horror show as it is a comfort or or some kind of ongoing beautiful thing, right? Yes. They interviewed people who, um, well, here's a quote from the article. Bourdain's widow, Octavia Bourdain, responded to the comment on Twitter saying, I certainly was not the one who said Tony would have been cool with that because the director of the film was like, yeah, we created this model of his voice and we checked with his family and it's everything's fine. what do they have him saying like is he saying stuff I think like that they they like is I, he talking to us all now i believe so oh, yeah man. so i think you know it's when someone dies they'll have someone finish their book or whatever so i think it's kind of in that oh, spirit oh wow you're probably gonna find out about it anyway so here's a little preemptive truth telling there's no happy ending what many people have pointed out, because when I found this story, I thought, oh, Brian will be into this story because mm -hmm. of Bourdain and You're stuff. Right. But one of the things that they found out was um, that, that uh, or things that people have pointed out on social media have mm -hmm. been that, listen, it was his brain, right? It's That's the stuff that we liked about him. He was, mm -hmm. he talked for a living and then you're co-opting this for that. But what I'm thinking of is like, what happened when this filmmaker was was thinking to himself mm -hmm. i'm gonna honor this is a good idea yeah i don't think well people are criticizing the filmmaker for other reasons too i mean around his suicide um you know very heavy topic for fans of anthony bourdain mm -hmm. but were issues of like why he did this exactly and then there were things that came up with the woman he was with and Ugh. apparently the the documentary goes there about like whether aspects of that their relationship um put him in a state of mind and e even to raise oh, that specter gosh. that she might have been responsible because of some misunderstanding they had about how open or not their relationship was i can was you know so uh, so the but but the film went there um in ways and, and and i haven't seen the film so i cannot comment more on that but I, I i just i brought that up to say this film is apparently causing controversy on many fronts that is really fascinating and yeah, I it, one of the things that I was interested in. What's this film called, by the way? Um, oh boy, I can't remember what the film's called. Let me. Oh, Roadrunner, a film about yep. Anthony Bourdain. Roadrunner, that's it. Yeah, and one of the things that I was interested in, um, what I, I thought of how biblical studies people talk about how the Bible was created mm -hmm. and over time, and I was thinking about here's this man who's known as a storyteller and then someone's trying to tell a story in his own of, about his life basically i'm asking you could it be that he's reasoning that he's p in the jedp thing wait does p still exist anymore um okay now you've just like dropped a thing now into here that it. requires like deep unpacking please on please comment who's, so now who are you saying is p the film the filmmaker the, the filmmaker okay Morgan so Neville. jdp the uh, let me see how fast i could do a yeah, round yeah, out of yeah, this yeah. for Ready the uninitiated and go Traditional theory has it that the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, was written by none other than Moses. Scholars, though, starting in the 18th century said, no, it was written by a number of people, including, let's say, classically, in its classical formulation, that hardly anyone believes in in that current form. Although it's had a revival. Shout out to the new documentarian crowd out there. But J, the Yahwist, in German, uh, J sounds like a Y. Okay, like so, or, yeah, so, mm -hmm. um, um, was like the original kind of source all earthy and what people worshiping God around fires without any priests to mediate it. Just like God was cool back then. It was not a patronizing take at all. It was not a Protestant. It was not a Protestant take at all. 
Um, and 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 then and then there was another early source E for the Elohist who called God mm-hmm. Elohim. The first source called God mm-hmm. Yahweh or something like that or Adonai, depending on how you want to vocalize that. Um, but Elohim, and that was like people were having dreams about God and mm-hmm. calling God Elohim. Okay basically the same age as jay old you know super cool according to the theory i'm making fun of the theory as i tell it (laughs) then there was d which is the deuteronomist and things were starting to get a little legalistic because if you read the book of deuteronomy Mm -hmm. it's all about laws Mm -hmm. um kind of sidled in and basically d was just the book of deuteronomy so it's not that interesting unless you're really into deuteronomy but then p the last source this was the one that caused the most kind of uproar that leah is at least familiar with to bring up that joke we gotta we gotta you have to explain the joke like this okay (laughs) So P is the so-called priestly source. Bible people who listen will laugh. P, the (laughs) so-called priestly source, was like totally legalistic, was into rules and laws and like basically the whole book of Leviticus and a lot of stuff in Exodus. And P, the idea behind the joke then, this is where the joke comes full circle, P is the kind of person who arranged maybe the other sources and kind of put his or their, probably not her according to the theory, imprimatur upon all of the material and sort of maybe redacted it of course you also maybe corrupted it is usually probably corrupted it yeah Yeah. so it's it's a kind of a protestant tale of a religion which was totally pure and priestless and law and lawless and awesome which got corrupted by priests who are really into ritual observations and sin and blah 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 (laughs) and god is so boring now um so that would be the p now so now knowing that what was the joke again about p (laughs) (laughs) is the filmmaker p is the filmmaker p yeah i mean he's p in the sense that uh you know he's coming in trying to curate the legacy and uh being kind of judgmental yes you know thanks for going with me on that joke and uh you're welcome to all the bible people you can use that oh professors out there if you want to use that as an explanation in your uh, well people you know by the way i should just tie the bow on that and say one critique of the jedp theory at least as i described it there um, is that it is not only a, a Protestant-leaning theory, mm-hmm. which leans into elements of Protestant spirituality, such as the German scholars who invented it right. possessed, right? but it has, if not an anti-Semitic flair to it, yes, I said it, anti-Semitic, at least an anti-Jewish flair, right. because P is super important to Jews, the idea of the law, the Torah, mm-hmm. um, but it basically makes that element namely judaism something that corrupted something which was not jewish and so you know germany 1800s 1900s not a stretch something went something went wrong there martin luther had some opinions about jews you know so there's a there's a there's a lineage there you don't want to make it cheap you know my my professor peter machinist peter Uh you're out there hello Um, (laughs) he's an avid listener he's an avid listener um is himself Jewish, grew up in a Jewish family, of course. And, and, um, he warned, he said to us like, look, like don't, he, in my doctoral program, he was my doctor, father, the my advisor for my thesis. He basically said, look, like don't, when you're talking about JEDP, like don't, don't say that P is anti-Semitic. That's stupid. Don't say that. Really? He said, don't say that Julius Wellhausen, who popularized, uh, and crystallized the theory in the late 1800s. Don't say he was anti-Semitic. There's no evidence that he was anti-Semitic. You could say that he was anti-Jewish. You could say that, yes, there was clearly something going on there in Germany. But don't, you can't dismiss the theory by saying it was anti-Semitic. Don't do that. That's what he said. I'm Interesting. Not, I'm not saying because he was a Jew and he's, I'm not saying because Peter is a Jew and he said that, that you shouldn't think that. I'm just saying, it's not as though all Jews think that, and all Jewish scholars think that JDP is anti-Semitic. Exactly. Well. And it might not be. There you go, <laughs> listeners. I, I was raised in, um, in my scholarly world by... Um, some theorists who were really into 
looking at that conversation as a proxy mm. war between Protestants and Catholics. Oh, of course. And Catholics, so, Catholics though, have embraced it by and large. I mean, there was a, uh, my dates are a little off. Pope Pius XII, I want to say. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, um, um, yes, I'm thinking of Pius XII. I'm thinking of Divino Aflante Spiritu, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 1943. Papal encyclical? I think it was an encyclical. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was an encyclical letter. Um, no, I'm looking it up. 1943, yes. This is a big deal for Catholics because um, Pius XII um, released Catholics to do the historical critical study of the Bible in in, in a very official way. Of course, mm. they've been doing it before. Sure, and, and that sure. included getting into sources. He was just very careful to say, as like a Christian would, that you have to still keep it like focused on Jesus and you can't abandon the faith. You have to stick right. to the rule of faith. But you can do the source stuff. And Catholics at, uh, have gotten into this, you know, just like all other... Um, like Christian scholars have, yeah, scholars. Yeah, 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 but you know what's that's what's great about Catholicism is you get an official, you know, you get an official uh, uh, um, ruling telling you you can <laughs> do it. Right. Whereas if you, you know, if you come from the church traditions I come from, it's like you just you 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 sit in a in a cloud of vague, it's unofficial, passive aggressive condemnation for your entire <laughs> life for engaging in it. Um, <laughs> they have unofficial means of ruling. Sure. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. So that's, that's that was Bourdain. longer that we should have taken on that, but that was a great one. Think what, look what yeah. that spawned. That was good. That was good. That was a present from okay. me to you. Okay. Care to comment? Next okay. story. I know we brought this up before, but I just now that we're now that we're kind of like now that the pandemic is like rear, rearing rearing its rearing its ugly head yes. again, but yet also kind of gone, but yet also mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. I want to ask this question again by way okay. of this headline. Care okay. to comment? Okay. The headline. This is also a religion news service. Millions skipped church during the pandemic. Will they return? Oh, what do you think? Interesting. I mean, just just as as an historian of the American churches, like what is this really a problem? Oh, well, I mean, okay. so this is I I don't have a really simple response to this. Of course you don't. Of Of course. course, Of course. Of Of course course I don't. But my response is that. It's true that Americans have lived through more than one pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I do think some of the, there's a lot of hand wringing um, about what this means for churchly worlds, mm-hmm. whether or not. And then there's also a lot of sociological data um, that has been done over the years talking about how the social networks that build what um, a scholar named Robert Putnam calls social capital mm. have decreased mm. over time. And so church attendance being one of those, but there were also other things like, you know, some whatever scouting or, you know, sure. bowling. Elks Lodge. The book is called Bowling Alone. But yeah, so those kinds of networks have decreased. And so an event like COVID could potentially like get people out of habits Mm-hmm. that they were already just barely hanging by a thread. So you're saying like maybe people who are going, a lot of people who are going to church were like just barely doing it. Yeah, they, and then they COVID came and they're like, okay, then, thanks, I'm done. Yeah, and then they don't realize. I will say though that we just don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future and how people interpret that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a little resurgence of, mm-hmm. and and you know what's interesting to me is who wins and who loses in these circumstances. What types of, of churches uh. will maintain? So there's been a really long trend of people flooding into mega churchy type congregations. And that was 
in large part an indirect result of the suburbanization of the U.S. Mm -hmm. People were willing to drive to their churches. You know, they were willing. They they liked the idea of kind of big box retailer church. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wonder if something like this may be an opportunity for some folks to re-examine whether or not that is their preferred form of religious practice. Now, that may not mean that they go to a tiny church or something, because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of small church proponents that were like that would be like, yeah, maybe it means they just watch online or something. I see. I don't know. What do you think? I have no idea. But I do, I, I, you know, that, that thing that you pointed out, this idea that maybe there were a lot of people who were probably in this big move in American culture to the nuns, the nun group. Yes. Not the N-U-N, but the N-O-N-E-S group of religious observance that this that covid that that forcing people out of the the habits is certainly going to, certainly going to change things it could be seems like I don't it know. is I don't just know. want to bring that issue up yeah. again that's all i like it's a, it it's a simple one um all right what do you got it is oh this is good mm-hmm. this is a headline is three of the most mistranslated words in scripture dash according to tiktok ah, i've got that one ha 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 Woo-hoo. i knew we Got it. We got Yay. that one. We got that one. I really wanted to hear from you. Did you scroll uh, through? Did you watch some of the TikTokers? I scrolled through. I watched this. What this, were your thoughts? So this connects to a theme that I believe is near and dear to your heart. You've done some writing about it. This issue of authority on the internet yes, and around yes, trans and around yes. interpretation and all this stuff. In brief, that ongoing discussion. In case you're new to it, is the internet has and its blogosphere and its Twitterverse has opened up venues. For yes. voices who do not have any kind of authority or education or whatever that would validate them in the traditional way uh-huh. to have an outsized influence. And my main thought in looking at these TikTokers or uh, is that what you call them? Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, yeah. Right. And the headline is called TikTokers. Yep. I was having a conversation with somebody, um, a pers- a mutual friend, Erica Ramirez. Uh-huh. I'll name drop her. Hi, Erica. Where we, we, the, one of the last times I talked to Erica in person, which is a while ago now, we were discussing when, when you know, the kids today, and really, I don't even know if this is a trend anymore, but the vaping, you know? Uh, what do you call a vape? Like, pull a vape? Take a vape? Have a vape? Oh, I don't know. We didn't know. We couldn't figure yeah, out what the I verb don't, was. I'm not a vape. I don't know why so. I thought of that, Erica, vape? but there you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, so TikTokers. Okay, here's what I thought. I'm looking. My first thought. This is elitist, Brian, on in f- full reign without any go kind of- Full effect. I'm like, who are these people? Who cares Did what these people- you look any of them up? Yeah, these people. Who Who cares? These are like seminarians and people like I don't care about these people. They these people have no clout. I mean, they have they have followers on TikTok, but I just don't care. They like, have clout, but they may not have. They don't have clout with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um yeah, so the words hell. So, I mean, th- to me also this was a little bit of an eye roll. I, and I want to distance my eye roll or my cringe from the content of this. There are serious scholarly issues with all these things. Sure, sure. It was an eye roll though cuz it was just a way of basically it's a kind of zeitgeisty, you know, a kind of progressive Christianity way of trying to, you know, reappropriate hard to handle topics from scripture, which I get, which, you know, Christians have to do clearly. But I guess my cringe at it was just like, I don't know. I think a lot of this stuff is just like it has the it has the flavor of pseudo scholarship. It's like scholarship refracted through a refracted through a refracting lens mm-hmm. through a mirror darkly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to somebody's funny, pre- weird presentation. So the three words are hell. So it's going to be like, there can't possibly be a hell, so we should not translate the world that way. Yeah, so I think the best way to overcome a residual fear of hell is to learn where it actually came from. Um, oh, yeah, and they there's like 
Gehenna or I don't know. There's the Gehenna and the this and the that. Um, Because what the church teaches about hell today is not very old and is not at all biblical. The LGBTQ issue, of course, um, the contemporary words translated as homosexuality have always been difficult Mm -hmm. linguistically for various reasons. So you've got some of that. Satan. So how do we get the ideas about hell that we have today? Basically because Emperor Constantine knew Greek mythology, but he didn't know the Greek language. And then, yeah, and then you've got Satan. Um, The Satan thing, yeah, I just... All right, let's talk about Lucifer, but not this guy on TikTok, who's cosplaying as this guy, who's based on this DC comic, who's based on this elusive character. That's right, Lucifer is a character. He's not really in the Bible. I don't know. I I just, I've officially, I'm in my 40s. I've gone over. I'm just, I'm cranky about this kind of stuff. I'm cranky about it. I don't want to hear, like, these like b-level celebrity wannabe pastors trying to be like greek and hebrew scholar with me on tiktok see not interested do you know what i like about it sorry this is more but since you brought it you you were going to bring it to me so i'm going to (laughs) wait you were going to ask me about this so here i go yeah here here i go i was what i think is so interesting is that in the history of of it it, like in the past in the in the u.s at least because that's my zone mm-hmm. of expertise mm-hmm. there's this ongoing contest mm-hmm. in terms of what what constitutes authority in over the christian traditions mm-hmm. the many that mm-hmm. are here mm-hmm. and the role of celebrity as you know is one of my obsessions it is a, I'm, it is a thing I'm for you i'm fascinated by You're that into this. because of how powerful it actually is because one of these tiktokers however many followers they have, is certainly not as qualified as you, Dr. Brian Doak. However, if mm-hmm. you two were to go head to head, in it certainly in their sphere, mm-hmm. I think you would lose. Well, right. right. No, because and even that's, if you knew better. No, and that's where I would come around to say, actually, I think there's something there's something very cool about this. Like it's so powerful. And I think for for teaching is yeah, it's very powerful. It's 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 using a new media. You know, to think that even like young people, and even if you just go to the article, and of course, oh, listener, we've got all yeah. these articles linked in the podcast description as well as on our website, weirdreligion.com, if you've never been there. We've got some merch there, by the way, which, you know, about one or two people per year partake yes, of our merch. Yes, we love it. Thank you so much. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you look at the grid there of the, uh, you know, it's, it's young people. Yes. I mean, young people are talking about language and translation. That is a good thing. I take back everything I said. <gasps> I was wrong. He came around, friends. It was horrible, and I shouldn't have said it. And it was just like, I'm just mean. I'm just mad. I'm jealous is what it is. Well, I don't think that that is it. But because I do think, okay, so now I'll play the other devil's advocate, that mm-hmm. that there is a crisis in terms of expertise in yeah. our culture. Right. And for a lot of reasons, right. experts are not listened to, which I, you know, you can hand ring for a long time and many people do. And I, I tend to trust experts because I am an expert. And I think... And, and <laughs> One so good I, reason to trust an expert. Well, you know what I, I mean? Like expert. if I see yeah. somebody who... I, I ask you about the Bible yeah. and I expect you to be able to speak authoritatively because yeah. I can speak authoritatively about my stuff. Yep. So I realize we are not... I mean, when, when you have a PhD, that puts you in a point whatever percent of the mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. So we're not... So our perspective could be very skewed toward experts and experts have certainly abused the authority that people have given them in the past in really heinous and like unethical bad ways of course if there's power to be abused people, people will, will abuse usually it. will do it yeah but yes i will say that there's something about the kind of 
you've brought this up before, like the way that the medium can sometimes change the reception of the message. So if you're talking about yes. something that's like really serious, right. like hell. And you go back to back with like make it less serious? somebody making mom jokes and stuff. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yep. So I think we're saying ambivalence or mm. not sure mm. about this. Yeah, it's true. Yep. All right. I believe we're to the point where we're going to have to get lightning round. Lightning round ish about this. Yeah. You know how close that lightning was? Yep. Let's do it. A little faster. Um, Okay, okay, you brought that one up, which I also had, so now I've got to go back to it. Okay. Do it. This is from Medium. Okay. The young goddess whose feet never touch the ground. Fun. A century old tradition and a living goddess. um, in the Kathmandu village of Valley of Nepal, I'm reading from the article here. There's a century-old tradition of worshiping the child deity, the Kumari Devi, a living goddess manifested in the body of a young girl. It is said that even a glimpse of the young and beautiful goddess will bring good fortune. <gasps> Both the Hindus and Buddhists of the region worship her, um, and oh. she's an actual she's an actual girl, and you can see her. She's gorgeous. Wow. Um, it's a uh, it's you know, and if you're not from a culture like this, obviously something like this is going to feel really foreign. But I really enjoyed looking at this article. Um, that was yeah so thanks to the author Shushmita Singh love it for your article on on that goddess you can read about it at the link I am now definitely going to do that after we talk about all right the next one Lightning that round. I have for you next. is homeopathic doctor allegedly sold fake COVID vaccine cards and bogus pellets promising lifelong immunity lifelong immunity from people.com oh you know I guess where, guess where she's from uh only place you could be from california oh california yeah okay i was gonna say like tennessee oh no the lifelong homeopathy yes the homeopathy okay (laughs) uh, yes okay got it got it got it or oregon yeah or our fair state could have been oregon could have been oregon it's the uh it's the new age kind of hippie promise of 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 a a, a long life through nature's medicine it is it is i love those competing um narratives Mm -hmm. um except for i'm 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 for the vaccine Mm -hmm. i I do need to go on the record for that so anyway yep that was mine all right uh this one a throwback for you sorry we don't have more time to discuss it it's actually i i real i thought it was uh, current this is um from a a blog called belover um okay uh, through me uh from medium but um but we don't have time to discuss it but and it's from actually september of last year but it's a it's a kind of a historical look back story Ooh, fun amy grant's divorce from hell Remember when evangelicals canceled their pop princess? I'll oh, read yeah. you the most highlighted portions of I've the article. I've already read this. But and go. what matters to the faithful, what always matters is the rules. And so that was one one thing people highlighted a lot in the story. Uh, um, yes. So, so, you know, it's partly an interview, quotes from her and talking about things. She thinks, uh, quote near the end, she thinks some more, quote, the hardest part for me, Matthew, was forgiving myself. But once you do, you can't keep going back. You accept the grace and live. Sometimes we make it harder than it is We take a perfect night And fill it up with words we don't mean Dark sides best unseen And we wonder why we're feeling this way Amy Grant because you know I'm writing about her and yep. many other things right now mm-hmm. is an extraordinary person who I, I I think of her as 
in many ways as this symbol of certain kinds of evangelical hopes and dreams. So I can't imagine what it must have been like for her mm-hmm. when she did get divorced, which many evangelicals do, mm-hmm. but not all of them ha- are the person upon whom everyone wants right. to see themselves and right. their ideal selves. And she has maintained a very um, consistent and, I, I don't know, just... It's a weird word. It's an old-timey word to use, but she has a lot of poise under that kind of fire. Okay, so I I have to read this part of the story now now that you said that because it's so perfect. Um, The wish for her... So there was a wish in evangelical circles that she would repent of of her divorce. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading from the article. The wish for her penance becomes insistent. In 2002, CCM, Contemporary Christian Music Magazine sent a young reporter, Matthew Paul Turner, to interview Grant about her new album of hymns. He arrives at her house with his editor's ultimatum, quote, if she doesn't make a public apology, then she's not going in the magazine, unquote. Awkwardly, Turner explains he has to ask if she'll apologize. She thinks, quote, do I feel sorry because my life hasn't turned out like I thought it would? And because of that, I have fans that feel disappointed and betrayed? Sure. I never make a decision without considering how it will affect the people in my life. Sometimes I do that to a fault. She thinks some more, and now my quote in context. The one I read before. The hardest part for me, Matthew, was forgiving myself. But once you do, you can't keep going back. You accept the grace and live. So he wrote the story he wanted to write. Saw later that CCM ran a rewritten version with Amy apologizing using fabricated quotes. What? So that happened. Well, Matthew Paul Turner, I appreciate your work. And um, I think that that is a really fascinating take on how powerful the norms of evangelicalism are and how specific they are mm. like that there needs to be a certain kind of pattern mm. um so but you i i am coming away from from with in my own research with a lot of respect for how difficult a position she mm. has been in for since she was like 16 years old wow so i wouldn't want that job wow like the job of being the ideal woman for everyone and you know so that's that's what i have to say about that i totally wantonly violated the lightning lightning round on that i'm that, sorry that was okay <laughs> we both did okay okay so i've got one for you which is oh wait i didn't get it um oh here we go just care to comment british borough apologizes for removing bus ads promoting franklin graham festival <laughs> <laughs> I know the kind of it's it's like cancel culture meets evangelicalism meets Franklin Graham meets you know yeah like he's like I I'm just picturing this whole town that was like we don't want you here and then he's like I'm coming and I'm buying a bus thing and now they have to say sorry anyway love it New York Times opinion guest essay, Can Silicon Valley Find God? Artificial intelligence promises to remake the world. These believers are fighting to make sure thousands of years of text and tradition find a place among the algorithms. Oh. By Linda uh, Kinsler, a doctoral candidate. Um, we who's should a- this kind of stuff. have her come on the show. That'd Linda, be fun. come on the show. Super yeah. great article. Long article. Can't, can't rightly summarize it, but you can guess what it's about. We'll post it, of course, with the others. Okay, here's one for you. Don't let the woke left socialists get you down. From Mike Pompeo, we are a God-blessed nation. Okay. We are, yeah. So, God-blessed nation. You you research yeah. an ancient yeah. nation yeah. purporting to be God-blessed. Yeah. 
care to comment? Well, it reminds me of, of during one of my favorite things to talk about. I don't want to even rile up the sensibilities of even getting into this, but it reminds me of a certain, um, a certain um, 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 pastor, Jeremiah Wright. Oh, yep. Who said, not God bless America. No, no, no. But something else, mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. And just the the issues of, you know, this God bless America versus the prophetic condemnation of America, what it evokes, we could get into it if this weren't the lightning round. Oh, yes. Okay. Clearly, we need an episode on that. Um, and finally, I will give you this one. Oh, no. I, I don't get the final one. No, you, I you get, get, the, get the final I one. I get the final one. I tried to just cut it off. And finally. <laughs> You're like, finally. Now, the religious angle here is not clear, but, and we don't even have to make it clear. I just thought this was fun. And it, it, if we could talk longer, it has a religious angle. This is from the blog Debugger through Medium to mm. me. Mm-hmm. Quote, Instagram has become Sky Mall. The ads are a nonstop slurry of that surreal products. True. And I love it. Um, you know, this idea of the reason this got into me because I once did that thing, I guess on Facebook, you can look at what the Facebook algorithm thinks you are. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's still true, but there was, and there I was looked, a time. I it was really that. disappointing because it made me think I was the perfect tool stooge for just modern capitalism. Cause it was like basically a moderate who loves shopping. And I was like, oh, I'm a loser. <laughs> I don't want to live anymore. This is who I but am. But isn't that what Facebook thinks of everyone? Is well, that they love right, shopping? Right. I think it's because I don't post political things on Facebook. Oh, and I do click on yeah. ads because I like to do a little, you know, I, I'm not above a little clothes shopping. You're, you're a shopper. I'm a shopper, a shopper. But but it's true. Instagram has become like Sky Mall. In that it has. Sky Mall for you um, young and youngins it was a magazine yes. that was on all airplanes back in back in our day. Yes. Which would advertise sometimes the zaniest products. You know, I remember. Really fun. I, I used to kind of fantasize about buying some of the things and they'd be really weird stuff like you can buy this dog whistle for $50. It's t- silver plated, blah, blah, it blah. Was, it you was, know? Or you could be like, submit a photo and we'll make a, <laughs> like a 40 foot inflatable balloon of you. <laughs> That's you right. Know, stuff like that. Or like a $300 bathrobe. Yep. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone wants one. All anyway, right. we obviously shopped at the Sky Mall. Okay, so here's the last, last one. Last one. You got it. Here it is. This is from the Salt Lake Tribune. Mm-hmm. Latest from Mormon land, colon, a new push to whack BYU's beard ban and is pride a wicked word? That's one at, headline. At BYU. BYU. Did you know they had a beer ban? I, I, beard ban. I, I do, they have a beer ban. And, they have <laughs> and a, a beard ban. And a beard ban. <laughs> it's the, basically the opposite of Oregon. It's the anti-Oregon. <laughs> it's totally true. Um, Everyone in Oregon, if you've not been here, you'll know when you land. I, because there's every other man is wearing like some sort of beard. And holding a craft beer. Yep. I'll tell you this, <laughs> BYU students out there, you listeners, BYU, I'm telling this to you. The beard, I don't know. I'd stick with the clean shaven thing. You don't want it. Don't import this into your life. You know, don't don't make a decision you can't come back from. There are certain people who are really into that. And I grew up in a small logging community and I so I understand. I like a beard. I wish I could. You know, it's it's genetic, though. You could if you grow a beard, you you should grow one. I don't think if I try to grow a beard, it's like that guy looks like a crazy (laughs) sailor man with not a full beard. Yeah, like patching just like sharp. In that case, "Ah." you just need like a soul patch. A soul patch. I think that's the only. Do you know if you. I had showed a, up for one. I would. I, I had, that'd be awesome. I had a soul patch when it was okay to have one. <laughs> when it, was it ever okay? How dare you? Two thousand and one. <laughs> where were you? We are the same age, so you should know. I was no. I don't think it was okay. I don't I, think it was. We're gonna have to settle this another time. <laughs> 
Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. Keep it weird, everyone. Certified 100% weird. For extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes, don't forget to follow us on the socials like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram in particular, and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. Our production features musical stylings by our own Brian Doak. But our official theme music is still by Cassie Blum. Our album artwork is by John Williams. When you podcast, podcast with us. The end. Okay, I'm recording. Quick, drinking water. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just had stuff in my mouth. Spilling water. I will not eat any almonds during this recording <laughs> to choke <laughs> <Okay>. on <laughs> the whole time. Um, yeah, go for it. Oh, I'm I first. I think you're up.